Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? A podcast to which the answer <laughs> to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 3, Episode 20, entitled The Prom. So, um, it is late at night again. I had hoped since I was off today that I would be able to record this earlier, but I forgot that like my family's having a rummage sale, which I have realized as I have grown up that most people call them garage sales or yard sales, but my family has always called them rummage sales. <laughs> it's like, um, it, it kind of is like a trashier way to say it. <laughs> You know, like, here's all our crap. Come buy it. Um, so just a little what's up with Mixtress moment. Because I have been up since, like, 7 today. And for me, that's very early. And um, doing rummage sale stuff. And I'm just kind of brain dead. And um, spent most of the day yesterday also, like, helping, like, gather all the stuff together. And get it ready and get it priced and all that shit. And it was like a thing where like my grandma put things in, my aunt, it was at her house, my mom had a whole bunch of stuff because she just downsized and moved to a smaller house. And then um, we had a little bit of stuff like, okay, here's my thing. Whenever I want to get rid of stuff, which happens, I like to purge things every once in a while. It feels good to do that. I don't like to have a lot of stuff, although I do have a lot of stuff like things are very important to me, but every once in a while, I, I really like to cherish every single object that I have, you know, like the whole Marie Kondo thing. I really like to have, I like all of the objects in my life to bring me joy. However, I happen to be, it is easy to bring me joy and I have a lot of things that bring me joy. But anyway, Whenever I get rid of stuff, I'm very compulsive about it. Like, I just want to eject it immediately from my life. So we've been talking about, our families has been talking about this mythical rummage sale for like a year now, it feels like. Probably not actually that long, but it feels like a really long time that we keep talking about it. We keep postponing it and blah, blah, blah. Nobody wants to do it. And I never wanted to do it from the get-go. Just, you know, putting that out there because they're just not worth it to me. But anyway, so since we were leading up to that, I've actually forced myself not to purge things immediately. Cause usually I just have like a bag or a box or something DAV to, um, just to just give away to thrift our local thrift store at any time. Like I'll go by there, you know, as soon as I fill up the bag or box that I'm currently working on, I'll go by there and just drop it off. So I forced myself to keep things in the house and save them for the rummage sale. There was a lot of, okay, I'll save that for the rummage sale. I'll save that for the rummage sale, which I don't like doing because it gives me time to go back to it and maybe decide to keep it. And then it just kind of, <sighs> here's the philosophical thing. Okay, hold on. I don't want to talk about this too long. <laughs> it's just what I went through today. So for so I was saving things for the rummage sale. However, I really didn't have very much at all. To me, it felt like I was hoarding things for months and I just 
when is this ramen chill going to happen? And I kept threatening my family, like, if if we don't have this thing soon, I'm just going to take all my stuff to the DAV because I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> and all it was was, like, a few things that I had gathered in a certain part of the basement. And, okay, here's how much money I made at the ramen sale, you guys. $16.75. <laughs> After spending most of my day yesterday working on this whole thing, and to be fair, I am the one that did the least amount of work, so it's fine, and I had the least amount of things to contribute, I did the least amount of work, I would not have had a rummage sale if it were up to me, so, you know, like, me coming away with it with $16.75 is, is, is like, fair. <laughs> is totally fair but it, it also just reinforces the fact that I don't think it's worth it at all but anyway I and I always just get like super philosophical about absolutely everything every normal behavior in a person's life makes me think the weirdest shit and it was just so depressing to me the fact that like we were gathering together you know these were decades worth of things from from my grandparents, from my aunt, from my mom, from me, from a couple of my mom's friends, from my little sister. Like, it's just like a whole, it was just so, so much stuff that we don't need. And the whole day just felt like, so it was like the whole day we're selling stuff. And at the end of the day, we apparently there are people that like put out classified ads that they will come and they will get absolutely everything that's left and you know do whatever they want with it so uh, you know whenever we got tired at the end of the day we just had somebody come and just pick the rest of it up for free you know <laughs> like and the whole it just the whole day felt like at the end of the day you know we got groceries and you know did other errands and stuff and it just like I just felt like how much of your life and a minimalist I've read this in like minimalist books too so it's not like I'm the first person to think this but like how much of your life if you really think about it is spent just moving your things from one place to another and I started just like getting depressed about okay here's here's an example my grandma has this friend that goes to rummage sales all the time and antique stores and she my grandma likes cats like as in she likes to have cats as pets and she's a very good animal caretaker and she um and she has this certain cat calendar that she has to have every single year and because this friend of hers she's a hoarder for sure and she knows that my grandma likes cats so she buys her this cat stuff all the time. Just like anything that has a cat on it. Little cat figurines, like little signs that say stuff about how cats are your master or, you know, stupid shit like that. So she had, we had an entire table full of stuff that this friend has bought at rummage sales and given to my grandma that she just never wanted. She just, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have a whole lot of stuff. She has a really modest sized house she doesn't want all this shit so it made me and then um my mom was telling me that there was somebody that came and bought a whole bunch of the stuff off the cat table um and she was 
talking about how she has a friend that that really loves all this cat stuff and we were pretty sure like it wasn't my grandma's friend that was buying it again for her but it was I just started thinking about the lifespan of like these these cat figurines you know they just go they just they're like in foster homes of all the they spend a little bit of time at someone's house and then they go back to the orphanage slash rummage sale and then they end up at someone else's house that didn't really want them. And how often do we as a society, as a people, you know, just because we love the fact that someone thought of us. So even if we don't like the gift that they gave us, we keep it around for a cursory length of time before we feel like okay I've had this long enough now it wouldn't look bad for me to get rid of it kind of thing and I don't know like I I need to not I need to just stop talking about this because I can babble about like you know I can get really obsessed with stupid topics you guys know that you guys know that and we're here to talk about Buffy today (laughs) I can talk about stupid ass shit when we're on a Buffy drought, which we're about to be um, next week. So let's just go ahead and get into that. Um, Next week, we do get to talk about graduation day part one. But again, as I've mentioned before, as a reminder, we will not get to talk about graduation day part two until July 13th. So we're going to have from... May 25th will be the first week that we won't have a Buffy episode to talk about on the podcast. Um, Because if for some reason, I guess I haven't mentioned this yet. If this is the first time you've ever listened to this podcast, for some weird reason, you started with the prom. Um, The way that I do my Buffy recap podcast is I talk about every, I recap, rehash, re-all the things. Every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So for that reason... For whatever fucked up reason, I have no idea why they made people wait from May 18th to July, what was it again? July 13th. Almost two full months they made people wait between the first part of the series finale and the second part. Why? Or not series, um, season. Why did they do that? I don't know. I have no idea. But that's what they did, so that's the way we have to do it because of the way I decided to do this project. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you guys notice, just a little, um, side note, I am in my, my desk chair right now and I'm moving around as per usual, but it's not squeaking. You just probably just heard a squeak, but that was the floor creaking, not the chair squeaking. (laughs) So, um, my aunt was getting rid of a desk chair that was actually a lot nicer than the one that I have been using that I for for some reason like I don't like there's a lot of things in my life that I really care what it looks like and I will spend time thoughtfully shopping for the perfect whatever but there's a whole like chunks of things whole categories of things in my life that I don't think about at all like a desk chair like my last desk chair, the one that was squeaky on the podcast all the time, was is this giant, ugly ass desk chair that Michael gave my Michael gave me whenever he got a new one that he's had 
since years before the tornado, which was, that's just a length of time in my life that like everything's, you know, before tornado, after tornado kind of thing. Um, but he's had it since before then because it lived through it and it's still, you know, it got wet during the tornado. Like, I don't think it smells bad or anything, but like, that's just an example of how I don't think about desk chairs. I had one that I bought for myself right after the tornado because I needed one because mine was gone. And, um, I used that until it broke. And then Michael gave me his old desk chair, just, just as a placeholder. I think he was just like, just till you get a new one. And I've been using it for like three years. <laughs> and then today at the rubbish sales, like, Oh, you have a really nice, comfortable, ergonomic chair that you're getting rid of for some reason. Um, there are certain things that, like, I wonder why people get rid of them. Like, if something is perfectly good, like, I mean, I guess it, whatever. Let's, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and talk about rubbish sales and the philosophy of why people have certain things. And it's like I have, it's like I feel like objects have personalities. Um, I get very invested in them, you know? Like if something is, if something brings me genuine joy and I want to have it in my life, like I will cherish it and I will care about it. And it's like, it, it becomes a friend to me, you know? <laughs> and as soon as I'm, uh, anyway, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're stopping now because <laughs> we're talking about the prom. Let's get into it. Okay. First of all. I'm going to pour myself a shot of whiskey because it is Saturday night at 10 o'clock. And just side note, just because, um, my grandma was getting rid of this gorgeous decorative, like amber glass decanter. And I've been looking for something like that to put my whiskey in because most of the time I could only afford to buy like, you know, Evan Williams, like $12 whiskey. And I go through a bottle like once every two weeks. So <laughs> I've been wanting to have, like, I've been looking at antique places and stuff. I want to have something that's really decorative and pretty that I can just pour my cheap ass whiskey into. <laughs> and, um, now I have it and it's something that used to belong to my grandma. And it's funny because I know it used to belong to my grandma because it came from her stuff, but I don't remember ever seeing it, which means she's had it and it's really old. Like she's probably had it tucked away in like the attic or something in her house for as long as I've been alive or something. <laughs> and I just kept looking and looking at antique places like, and nothing was good enough. Um, because it was just like, I was waiting for this this decanter is that the right name for it whenever you put like decanter is that right i think that's the right word for it but anyway it's like i was waiting for it see this is how i get <laughs> so i came away from the rubbish sale making 16 dollars and 75 cents getting rid of a few things and i have a new desk chair now a new decanter for my whiskey um i also ended up collecting a couple of other things. I got a crock pot that my grandma's had since like the seventies. It's like seventies orange. It's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's just so much more meaningful whenever you get things that used to belong to family members. Right. Don't you think? 
Anyway, talking about Buffy now, for real this time, as soon as I take this lovely little shot of cheap-ass whiskey, we're going to get into it. Let's go. Okay, The Prom. Written by Marty Noxon, everybody. You know, she can bring the pain when she wants to, and there's definitely some pain in this episode. Um, okay. I don't, like, obviously I'm going to have something to say about this episode. Overall, <clears throat> I guess I don't know what I'm going to say about this episode yet. I mean, I've written a page of notes, as per usual. But overall, this is just a really well-written, effective, emotionally, you know, it pulls your heartstrings. It has some good jokes in it. It has some great quotes, some questionable moments that are furthering plot points that, you know, have been questionable, you know, such as the Cordelia Wesley bullshit. We'll get into it. Um... But it's overall just an, an enjoyable episode of Buffy, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, let's see. <laughs> what are we even going to talk about with this episode? Um, let's just talk about rummage sales more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so the episode opens with Angel is fucking watching Buffy while she sleeps. And we're supposed to think that this is like sweet and shit. But guess what? It's not sweet. If there are any young, impressionable boys watching this right now, it's not cute to watch your significant other sleep, okay? Not cute. Don't do it. It's so weird. Like, ugh. I hope no one's ever watched me sleep. Like, okay, I guess in the context of when you're first falling in love with somebody, um, in that context, I get it a little bit like, you know, you're just so enamored by them that like, they just, they look so sweet when they sleep and you're just like, ah, or whatever. I guess I've probably felt that before, but it was like in the beginning of a relationship. It was when I was much younger, you know, like that's just, uh, anyway, creepy. Um, and Buffy wakes up and she starts talking to Angel about, you know, like, you know, I should have a drawer. Um, you should get some mirrors in here. Just because you don't have a reflection so you have no need for mirrors doesn't mean that your girlfriend doesn't have a need for a mirror. Um, and she just, you know, starts talking about that kind of stuff and he's just kind of, I don't know, weird about it. Um, and of course, in the last episode we saw that big speech from the mayor telling them that like, what kind of life could you possibly give her? She's a young girl. She's just blossoming. Blue, 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 blue. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, my next note is Anya. Okay. So I think that this is probably the quote of the episode. However, there are a lot of good quotes in this episode. So Anya comes up to Xander and she's, this is the scene where she's asking him to the dance. And part of her speech is, I have witnessed a millennium of treachery and oppression from the males of the species, and I have nothing but contempt for the whole libidinous lot of them. And then Xander is like, well, why are you talking to me? She's like, I don't have a date. 
Um, so I just love that whole, I have nothing but contempt for the whole libidinous lot of them. Um, which have you ever, ever, ever heard the word libidinous used before or since this little speech from Anya? <laughs> I haven't. Um, then she, okay, this, this part I just question in general. Like why she sort of like starts talking about how now that she is stuck in a human body, she has this sudden obsession with going to the prom and blah, 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 blah. And she's obsessed with finding a date. And I find that questionable. You know, Anya's a thousand years old. She should not, for any reason, give a shit about the prom. I don't care if suddenly she's human now. Like, being human doesn't automatically come with prom going, wanting to go to prom specific hormones in your brain or anything like that, okay? That's ridiculous. Um... Oh, then there's the scene with um, Oz, Buffy, Willow, and Xander talking about the prom and what they're going to wear and whether or not they have dates. And Xander tells them that he's going to go with Anya. And he does this weird joke where he pretends that his hand is a sock puppet. And it's just this whole, like, masturbation metaphor thing I think because he's like interacting with his hand as if it's a sock puppet and his hand is jealous that he's going to the prom without it's it's weird it's a weird joke and it goes on too long I don't like it so but that's really one of the only like ew moments in this episode it's the only ew moment in this episode besides all of the bullshit between Cordelia and Wesley, which is still going on. Um, hellhounds. So then we get like a little shot of hellhounds in like crate type things and they're angry and they're watching prom night and stuff. Um, yeah. So this is obviously as, as a horror movie allegory, episode of television. The prom is, you know, kind of doing an homage to Carrie, Prom Night, any old movies that have horrific things happen at a prom. You know, it's not really a trope that you could avoid with a horror show like Buffy. Um, I would normally call Buffy a horror show, but, you know, it's part of the process, you know. Um, okay. And then the next, oh, I skipped over, um, I skipped forward a little bit before you see the hellhounds for the first time, Joyce visits Angel. And this I think is, is a nice moment for Joyce. Like we don't get a whole lot of great parenting moments from Joyce or we haven't so far. Um, I'll be curious to see, like, since this is the first time I'm watching Buffy in this context, of watching it all as it in the same way that it airs that it originally aired and you know taking all these notes and watching it multiple times each time I do one of the episodes blah 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 um it'll be interesting to see like up until this point we really haven't gotten a whole lot of great Joyce as mom moments and I can't really remember if we get a whole lot more 
my instinct is to say no. I think we're just supposed to like her, but this is a rare moment where Joyce really steps up. I think the fact that she went to talk to Angel and she just basically says to him, look, um, I forget sometimes too that Buffy is still just a teenage girl. Like I know she's had, she's been through a lot. She's had to go through a lot more than most girls her age, but she is still a teenage girl and you are a fucking immortal vampire. So you need to think about that. If she, she can't see straight when it comes to you, you might have to make the hard decisions. And this is really the first time in Angel's life that he's had to step up and be the emotional, the emotionally mature one. And I'm impressed that he is, that he steps up to the plate in that sense. Um, I like that the whole plot point of Angel needing to leave Buffy, needing to leave town, needing to be the strong one. For once in his life, he needs to not act like a 14-year-old boy. And he does it. And I think that's a great plot point. Um, I think it's a, it needs to happen. And I'm so glad we're finally there, you guys. Um, sorry for any Bangel shippers out there. I am not one. Like, I see the importance of the relationship um, in the series and I like what they did with it for the most part. Like I, like I've said before, I just, the way that they they dealt with their relationship throughout season three was just not great. You know, they just sort of, the fact that they just kind of got back together, but not really because, uh, I don't know, a vampire and a slayer are never going to last. I mean, if Buffy were a normal slayer that like, you know, got killed after three to six months or something, um, it would make sense for her to date a vampire with a soul because, you know, she's never going to get old anyway. But I think Buffy even uses that kind of as, as an excuse at some point. Anyway, um... So my note was, Joyce pays a visit to Angel. She's not too over the top about it. She really wasn't. She was, she didn't like, you know, place a whole lot of judgment. She just said what needed to be said without being overly emotional and without, like I said, passing a whole lot of judgment onto Angel. And it was a good talk. And Angel doesn't ever reveal that she did that because if Buffy knew that Joyce did that she would feel betrayed by that even though it's not a betrayal she's just that's a conversation that needed to be had and Angel obviously needed both the mayor and Buffy's mom to point this shit out to him um, because he wasn't just going to do it on his own he's not that strong and I think that is that is right I don't know the way that they're dealing with this particular plot point I think is right um Okay, then we see the Hellhounds for the first time. Then we get Angel has a dream that he's marrying Buffy. And when they walk out of the church into the sunlight, he's all scared because they're walking out into the light. But Buffy's the one that gets um, immolated. Is that the way you pronounce that word? By the sun. Um, as if she's the vampire. And I think that's an, that's a, I mean, it's a simple metaphor 
for, you know, him feeling guilty that he is, you know, effectively taking her life away, blah, 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 you know, because it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. I mean, sure. I guess you can have a vampire boyfriend for like a year or two, but after that, you got to let it go (laughs) unless you're going to become a vampire yourself. And I, I wanted to point out that never, not even once does this show ever flirt with the idea of one of Buffy's soul having vampire boyfriends turning her into a vampire themselves. Never is that brought up or a discussion. They never like try to hoist, to voice that upon her. She never thinks about it. And as a person that's read a lot of vampire fiction in my life, whenever a young girl gets involved with a vampire, usually the first thing she wants to do is become one herself. Um, and in, you know, fiction universes where you don't have to lose your soul to become a vampire. I mean, really it's only Buffy that has that particular vampire rule, but, um, it, it makes sense, I guess, that like, if you want to spend forever with somebody that's already immortal, you're going to have to be immortal too, you know? Anyway, um, let's move on. Okay. So then we get the scene where Angel breaks up with Buffy in the sewers. And she says, you have something, Face. And he refers to their relationship as a freak show at one point. The way that he's doing it, he's... It's more a projection onto himself. You know, you deserve a real real relationship, not this freak show. Like, he's not calling them a freak show, really. He's just, you know... But it does sound a little over the top whenever he says it, and it's hurtful. And they kind of say a few hurtful things to each other a little bit, and, um, you know, it's the... Luckily, this is probably not the last time, but one of the very last times we have to see a dramatic fight between Angel and Buffy. Thank God. Pour one out for that, because I am not going to miss the dramatic Angel and Buffy fights at all. Um, again, apologies to anyone that will miss that kind of thing that are sad about Buffy and Angel ending, um, perfectly valid lifestyle choice. It's just not for me. I I just don't like, she acts like a normal high school girl dating an older man when she's with angel, you know, and that's just not the Buffy that I want. You know, I like morally superior Buffy. (laughs) Every other boyfriend she ever has, with the exception of that, you know, tiny little moment with stupid Parker coming up in the next season. She's the morally superior one. She's the smarter one. She's the one in control. But with angel, she wasn't. Um, not like she wasn't, I mean, it's not like she was a typical, high school girl necessarily, but it just resembled a regular patriarchal relationship more than any of her future relationships will. So that's why I don't like Buffy and Angel together, or that's one of the reasons anyway. Not that Angel necessarily treated her like she was less than, less than, like my, I think when I'm tired my southernness comes out more. <laughs> anyway, um, 
I just don't even feel like talking about this episode. I didn't even want to take notes. I was just kind of like enjoying watching the episode. Just didn't feel like taking notes. I guess I don't feel like analyzing it today, which is weird. (laughs) So because of the nature of this podcast, you know, you got to do it even on the days when you're not feeling it. And I hate that when it happens because, um, it's just the perfect storm this month. Like (laughs) almost literally because May is in my area of the country is one of the hardest months, like April and May are kind of the two most difficult months for me to get through just for PTSD reasons. And then once I get through them, I'm better, but I've had a lot of anxiety this month because we've had some storms and, um, my work schedule is just, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's stupid. And I also have three Buffy episodes to talk about on a month when I'm dealing with a lot of extra stuff and I got lucky today because it happens to be a day that I didn't work, but I had a whole bunch of other stuff going on. So I'm still not recording this till late at night. And it's just, I'm sorry, guys. Um, I would much rather be well rested and well researched and, be able to bring you the best possible podcast episodes. The most, maybe in the future, I could redo some of these episodes that aren't as great. Um, let me know what you guys think about that because I will totally do it. Um, but yeah, anyway, Ugh. we had a, okay, this is going to be like a, not really talking a whole lot about Buffy podcast episode. We had, um, on Monday, we had some limbs come down on this tree in our backyard. That's like this giant behemoth tree. That's an invasive species that is not native to our area. And which isn't that just the definition of an invasive species? If it's not native to your area, then it's invasive and it's not good for anyway. We have two of these trees, unfortunately, because someone let them grow before we ever moved in because they didn't know what they were, I guess. But it's called a paradise tree, and it is not, you know, it does not come from paradise. It comes from the hellmouth. It really does. And we've known since we moved in that this tree was eventually going to need to be taken care of, and we knew it was going to be expensive, blah, blah, blah. But Monday, it dropped some limbs onto our garage, and we've had, like, a a person come out and tell us, you know, it's going to be $1,200 to take that tree out. I'm really relieved though, that we're finally going to get it taken care of, but that's just, you know, one of the headaches that we've had to deal with in the last week. I don't know. It's just been a crappy month so far. Really has. Like usually April is the hardest month for me and April was hard, but May is, ugh, May's from the hell mouse. Anyway. Everything's from Hellmouth this month. <laughs> um, I've been telling my dog lately, my oldest, Luna, that she is from the Hellmouth because she also has a lot of storm anxiety and she makes things harder for me. I have not slept well in like two weeks, you guys. <laughs> it sucks. Actually, two nights ago, I slept pretty well because it's like there's like an unexpected cold snap right now. Like I had to get my little electric heater back out that I'd already put up 
because it had been like 70. Anyway, anyway, we need to talk about Buffy. <laughs> Having a hard time talking about Buffy today. I'm sorry, guys. Um, okay, so Angel breaks up with Buffy in the sewers. First of all, I think it's really shitty. Okay, so this is me projecting a little bit because in my own, in my own personal life, personal life, in my own history, I, my senior prom, I was planning to go with my boyfriend. Of course, he was also an older man. He's not a vampire, um, but <laughs> he was also kind of evil and he's like two and a half years older than me. So he didn't really want to go back to high school to go to prom. I understand, but if you really care about a person, you do what you need to do, or you are mature enough to say, you know what? I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to go back there. Um, but if you want to find another date, I understand, you know, be a stand up person. But instead he told me he was going to go. And then the day of the prom, he was like, oh, I picked up an extra shift at work. They need me tonight. So I can't go. So like, I don't even know if I had hours. I may have only had, I probably had a couple hours notice, but not enough time to like maybe think about going with someone else or any of that. He just stood me up essentially. And just like something so stupid as, eh, I'm just going to work tonight. I'm not going to go to your prom. Just like whatever. And like, okay, I was also like an alternative goth girl. So like the prom wasn't something that I acted like was a big deal to me, but you know, culture makes it a big deal. And you know, I wanted to do that whole thing. I wanted to have that moment, just like Buffy. <laughs> I wanted to have that perfect high school moment, but anyway, so I'm projecting a little bit, but I think it's really selfish of Angel to, to not even at all be thinking about the fact that, Hey, guess what? Buffy's been obsessing about this prom thing for a while. Like this whole episode, she's talking about what she's going to wear. She's talking about, you know, like how you're going to do the whole thing and like, blah, blah, blah. She's planning this event. She cares about this event. Even if you don't give a shit, you can pretend that you do. And you can know enough to know that now's not the time to break up with Buffy. This is a big deal and it needs to be done. And, you know, you could be a little bit more thoughtful about it. But of course, Angel is, he's not emotionally mature. He's not. So he just does it right then and there. Breaks up with her in the sewers, like two days before prom or one day before prom or something. And it sucks. It's shitty. You know, it is. Um, where are we? Breaking up before prom is mean. Okay. Yep. That was the point I just made. Um, oh, and then there's that scene with Buffy and Willow talking on her bed, Buffy's bed. And she is just, you know, talking about the breakup and she admits to Willow. She's like, I know he's right. You know, I know we can't be together forever. This is not going to work. Um, and Willow's like, yeah, yeah, but it still sucks. And then Buffy just breaks down and you know, it's that like 
my world is ending kind of cry, which we've seen Buffy go through before with Angel, you know, um, in the last season, whenever he went evil, she had that moment where she was completely by herself and she just loses it and cries on her bed. It's, it's that same thing, except now Willow's there to comfort her and she just cries in Willow's lap. And that I don't feel emotionally attached to Buffy and Angel or the fact that they're breaking up. But when Buffy cries like that, it, it does, it makes me tear up almost every time I watch this episode because she's just, I almost said, I almost did some weird combination of, um, Anthony Stewart head and, um, what's that kid's name from Anthony Michael Hall, Anthony Stewart head, Anthony Michael Hall and Sarah Michelle Geller. I was just like all the three named actors were like mixing in my head. And I almost said some weird combination of that. Sarah Michelle Geller is just really good at, she's just a great actress. I think anyway. Um, let's see. It's heartbreaking that little moment. Um, and then we get some more of the Cordelia is now working class. She's a name tag person. Um, and this is, this is the episode where, so Xander runs into Cordelia at the dress store again, which he did in the last episode as well. And this, this time it is revealed that she works there to Xander. We already knew, but, um, and we're supposed to be surprised, I guess, that he doesn't like start teasing her mercilessly because she has a job, but why would he do that? First of all, he should never be mean to her ever again because he treated her like shit and cheated on her. So he should forever be in her debt. But also, why would he be shitty to her about that? Because he is a working class person, you know? Anyway. So, but we're supposed to think that he is so nice for, for not telling anyone about the fact that she has a job and for being sweet and paying off the rest of her layaway for her dress, which why did he have the money? Like maybe she just still owed like 10 bucks or something and he paid the rest of it. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Um, so that storyline progresses, but while they're like in that scene, a hellhound has broken out of his cage, which we saw in one of the previous scenes and is now attacking people in the dress store that are like trying on formal clothing. And of course, Cordelia immediately like recognizes that the hellhounds passed Xander by who's just wearing regular everyday clothes and went straight for the um, kids that were wearing the formal wear because Cordelia's smart. Um, so they're all back at the library talking about this whole hellhound situation. They're looking at the video um, footage, the security footage from the, um, from the store. Um, this whole storyline of the hellhounds gets wrapped up pretty quickly, which is nice. I almost wish every, I really do wish almost every episode of Buffy was like this, where the B plot, and it usually is, like the B plot of like whatever the current horror of the week is, is usually, they usually spend less time on it than they do on like the character development and the other stuff going on. But in this episode, especially, they really 
don't spend a whole lot of time. It's just like, hellhounds, they're going to attack people at the prom. Buffy's going to take care of it. She took care of it real quick. Yay! Now let's get on with the other stuff. You know, like the B plot is just, just enough to like remind you, yeah, we're watching a campy horror show, but it's not really about that. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why I love Buffy because I love campy horror too, but it has to be campy horror with heart. And that's exactly what Buffy is. I enjoyed the exchange between Xander and Buffy. Buffy's just sort of kind of, sort of kind of like sulking on the stairs in the library while they're all gathered. Um, it's just everybody, you know, Cordelia, Wesley, Xander, Oz, Willow, Giles, everybody. They're all there. And he just sort of passes by, Xander passes by Buffy and just says, um, liking your impersonation of an inanimate object or your impersonation of an inanimate object is coming right along. And Buffy just sort of like, there's a pregnant pause. And then she goes, thanks. And he just sort of smiles and shrugs and skips off. <laughs> um, this particular iteration of Xander's character development is interesting because he sort of surpassed the, I'm a, an evil, misogynistic, terrible child era. And he's kind of in the in-between stage where he's a little bit more mature, like he's, you know, starting to be a little bit more self-aware and all that stuff, but he hasn't fully gone into his, like, you know, in a year or two from now, if Buffy were that withdrawn and sullen, he would have, like, pulled her aside and had a really, like, heart-to-heart -heart conversation with her where he like was super insightful and blah, blah, blah. And at this point, he's just starting to notice the emotions of others that he cares about, but he's not fully diving into them. You know, <laughs> maybe that's me just like looking a little too far into that tiny little moment, but that's just my takeaway. Um, and then there's another cute little exchange where <laughs> Buffy just kind of, she's telling everyone, look, I, I'm going to take care of this. You know, I'm not going to let everybody ruin your prom. Um, everybody's going to have a nice, fun, normal evening, evening, even if I have to kill everyone on the face of the earth to do it. And then Xander goes, yay. <laughs> so that was a good little moment. Um, Buffy runs into Angel while she's investigating at the butcher because um, obviously whoever is training these hellhounds to attack at the prom is going to need to be feeding them something and they eat brains. So, um, so they're zombie hellhounds. So Buffy runs into Angel at the butcher because he's getting blood. They're wearing almost the exact same jacket. Can't be an accident. <laughs> And there's just this whole weirdness where Angel's like, do you need help? Um, I miss you. And like, and Buffy's like, don't. <laughs> he's just, again, in this scene, he's just displaying how emotionally insecure he is or emotionally stunted he is. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Anyway. Um, then we get the, the little moment where Cordelia doesn't take the dress and one of her co coworkers is like, well, you got to take your dress with you. And she's like, I haven't finished paying for it. And she's like, well, somebody did, which, you know, so Xander's supposed to get 
And one of my Buffy books points this out that like Xander's supposed to get all this credit for, and he really is They're They're painting it as, I mean, it is a nice thing that Xander did for Cordelia and he doesn't need a ton of acknowledgement. Like, of course she says, thank you, but like he doesn't, he doesn't ever talk about it. He doesn't need recognition for it, but we are supposed to think that he's just the sweetest ever for doing that whenever it's the least he could fucking do. It really is. Um, um, just another like kudos to Anthony Stewart head always as Giles. He is the best. Um, another minty mug sighting in this episode. Um, I hope we don't lose it after this season. Like, I hope he still has it when he's no longer in the library. I hope it didn't stay at the library. I don't remember if we ever get to see it again after the season, but it's in almost every episode this season and I love it. <laughs> anyway, so there's this little moment where Giles finally like realizes like Buffy's so adamant about finding these hellhounds that she's not at all thinking about the prom. She's just wanting to protect the prom for everyone else and blah, blah, blah. And finally he's like, Angel's not taking you, is he? And that's when she tells him that Angel's breaking up with her and blah, blah, blah. And he's going to leave town because, you know, he has his own series next year, you know, whatever. Um, and Anthony Stewart Head, as Giles, has this moment. I think this is the first time I've ever noticed it. Where for a, a tiny nanosecond after she tells him that Angel's leaving her, he looks relieved. Like, thank God. But it's so small that, like, Buffy didn't even notice it. I've never noticed it till this rewatch. And only the second time that I watched it. I've never heard anyone else mention it. It's just a tiny micro expression where he's, like, relieved. But then he immediately recovers. And he immediately goes into sympathetic dad mode where he's like, Oh my god, Buffy, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? You know, do you need some ice cream? Like, despite everything Angel's put him through and put her through and like all the emotions that are probably surrounding that, he pulls it together in order to be there for what she's feeling right now and what she needs right now. Doesn't make it about, well, yeah, that's probably the right thing and thank God it finally happened and, you know, he doesn't get luxury, any of that stuff. He's simply there for her and what she needs. Giles is the best dad ever. I love him. I love him so much. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, okay. Um, she tells him, like, ice cream will come, luckily, First layer, kicking ass is comfort food, which is another great quote of the episode. There are a lot of really great quotes in this episode. I wrote it down. Most of my notes are just me writing down quotes today. Most of my notes, writing down quotes. Most of my notes, writing down quotes. Um, and then my ne next note is, Wesley, three exclamation points. You suck. <laughs> He's just like so over the top with like how much he's drooling over Cordelia. It is so disgusting. I was going to look it up and now I just, I don't have the fucking energy to do it, but eventually I will look it up. 
But I suspect that the actor that plays Wesley, Alexis Denisov, and Charisma Carpenter, who plays Cordelia, are probably, if not the same age, then it's possible that Alexis Denisov is actually younger than Cordelia because, than Charisma, because she is, I think, 29, 30, something like that at this point in the series. Um, she's like 30-ish, 32 maybe. I don't know. I feel like she was like 29 when the series started. I don't know. Whatever. She is in her late 20s slash early 30s when this was filmed. And I don't know how old Alexis Denisov is, of course, as I already stated. And they're obviously dressing him in these oversized, terrible suits. And he looks younger than he is. They're dressing him down to make him look younger than he is. And of course, Cordelia is older than she really is supposed to be. And, you know, Michael was pointing out like, okay, so maybe he's like 23 and she's 18. Okay, I wouldn't find it quite as creepy if at some point... They had a moment where, for some weird reason, Wesley mentions how old he is, but the, he never does. They never talk about how old he is or allude to it at all. So, how old are we supposed to... We're supposed to think that he is a peer of Giles. So, I mean, obviously he's not, you know, in his mid to late 40s like Giles is. But, I don't know. It's just so gross that they're doing this and I don't understand. And it's really just a reason to have Cordelia around more. Anyway, I've said all this already, but it just is so gross and I hate it. <laughs> Luckily, in I think the very next episode, they're going to like have a kiss or it might be graduation date part two. We might have to wait till fucking July, but I hope it's in the next episode. Hopefully we'll have this resolved by next week where they like finally kiss and neither of them are into it and that's the end of that thank god um but we're not there yet we're not gonna get closure on that one yet um my next note is jonathan's got a date and it's so cute um one of the things just visually that i really enjoy about like tv and movies i love when you see a couple that is like where the woman a heterosexual couple where the woman is taller than the man. I love that. In this episode, we get that with Willow and Oz because Willow's like wearing heels to the prom. So she normally looks like she's the same height as Oz, but in this episode, she looks taller because she's wearing heels. Um, she must be wearing heels because normally she doesn't look taller than Buffy either, but in this episode, she does look taller than Buffy. So I, I enjoy that for some reason. I don't know why. I enjoy, I enjoy the thought of Willow being tall. <laughs> Taller than everyone else. Um, and she looks cute with Oz. And that same dynamic is happening with um, Jonathan and his date. His date is like at least eight inches taller than him. And it's so cute. I don't know. It just, you know, it's like he barely comes up to her boobs. It's just cute. I don't know. I just like it. Um... I guess I enjoy, I enjoy the small nerdy types, <laughs> which is funny because I've never really, I've never really dated someone shorter than me. So it's not normally my type. I go for tall dudes in real life, but I just love seeing that. I don't know why. Anyway, I guess because you just never see that. 
most of the time in heteronormative relationships, the woman is shorter than the man because just that's how it normally happens. Um, anyway, I'm actually surprised I've never dated someone that's shorter than me because I'm 5'6", and that's kind of tall for a girl. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, another good quote, whenever Buffy catches up to Tucker, who is training the Hellhounds, she, like, I think he's trying to explain why he did it or some shit just because people said no to him when he asked them to the prom. There's like this tiny little scene where you see him asking people to the prom and they say no. And that, I, that doesn't really play, that doesn't really, that plot point doesn't really work for me because why would he be he has had to presumably spend weeks if not months training these hellhounds to like react to prom goers right to prom circumstances so why would his reason for wanting to ruin prom be that he asked people to prom and they said no is it supposed to be like last year he asked people to prom and they said no okay I'll, I'll go with that. That's fine. Because if he was asking people to prom like three months ago and they said no, like, why are you asking them that early? That's ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, let's just pretend it was like his junior prom that he was asking people, or maybe he's not even in high school anymore. Maybe that was last year. I don't know. They don't make that clear. My next note is Buffy dispatches with hellhounds pretty fast because she really does. She just like, she deals with them. She's like, okay, I'm going to take care of these beasts. She does it. Then she pulls her dress out of a duffel bag that probably also has weapons in it. Um, and then she comes into prom. And I like that, like her hair is done nice. Like it looks nice, but it doesn't look, it's not, it's a very simple hairstyle. So when she gets to the prom, I like that it wasn't some elaborate hairstyle because she just got done fighting like three hellhounds or some shit and killing them. So if her hair had been really elaborate, something that would have taken hours to do, I would have called bullshit on that. But it was nice enough that her probably really wouldn't look that nice, but it wasn't over the top. You know, there's a lot of moments in this episode that it's like, I see what you were doing there and it could have been over the top, but it wasn't. So kudos to Marty Noxon on that one. Um, oh, and I, my next note was also mom likes everyone's hair because when I watched this with my mom the other day, she was just pointing out, oh my God, Willow's hair looks great and Cordelia's hair looks great. And that chick over there, her hair looks great. And it's like, it's very 1999. It was a good year for hair because do you guys remember in the late nineties, it was like a little moment in time when people were really adventurous with their hair. You know, they do like weird little twisty things and they put lots of little butterfly clips here and there. And just, it was creative stuff that wasn't too, that you didn't have to have like an elaborate hairstyle to pull or elaborate haircut to pull off. It was just kind of like, I got 30 minutes. I'm going to make my hair look weird. How are we going to do this? Let's twist this over here. Let's pin this over here. You know, hey, that looks interesting. You know, it was like artistic hairstyles. And there was a lot of different stuff like that going on with all the extras in the prom scene. And it was, it was cute. It was very of its time. Um, 
then there was another little exchange between Buffy and Oz whenever Buffy first gets there. Um, and everybody else has probably been there for an hour or two or something. And she asks Willow and Oz how the prom is going. And Oz says, strangely affecting. I teared up during We Are Family. <laughs> I just love that. Strangely affecting. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel every time I get emotional about something. Strangely affecting. Um, and then, okay, here's the moment where you really do cry. Like me and Michael were both crying when we watched this. I don't think it really affected my mom that much, but this is just another, I, I think I relate to Buffy. I mean, obviously, and not that I like was saving my peers from hellhounds or anything like that. Like, but in high school, I had the last couple of years were really hard. I felt like I didn't have anybody. I felt ostracized. I didn't want to go anymore. I was really depressed. Um, I think it was going through my first major depressive episode that lasted several months. And it was, you know, something that I deal with now, like it ain't nothing really, but, or I'm just used to it, whatever. Um, but back then, it was, it was really dark the last couple of years of high school. So like this moment of getting recognition from her peers, her peers noticing her for something specific about her, even though they didn't know her well, that whole thing just really hits home for me. Like, um, yeah, it, it, it was strangely affecting. And I did cry. <laughs> I always cry whenever they present her with that little umbrella, that little handmade thing, and that cute little speech. Um, that's really the, honestly, throughout this series, that's like the biggest moment of recognition that she ever gets from peers. From people that normally just pull the wool over their eyes and pretend that nothing's happening. We've seen no evidence up until this point that any of her peers really understand what's going on um, in on the Hellmouth. But for this one little shining moment, it's like they get it. And they will back that up during graduation day, which is so cool that like, you know... <laughs> As Giles says, I didn't know that children en masse could be so gracious or could be gracious. Um, every now and then, people surprise you. And it's true. These moments actually do happen in real life. Um, yeah, just sweet little moments where somebody gets you for a second. You can feel seen for a moment. And that's what Buffy gets. I think that's the thing the main thing that is my emotional connection to Buffy the character, which is why I love her so much, is that she really feels alone. She does not feel seen. She does not feel like anyone understands her specific plight in life. And I think I feel that way too. Like, and every once in a while, you have a moment where someone hears you, really hears you, and can decipher your language. And it doesn't happen often, but those moments you really cling to. And that is that moment for Buffy. And it's oh, heartbreaking. 
I mean, heartbreaking. It's not heart. Heartbreaking is not the right word. It's it's emotional and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and I love it. It's one of the best moments in Buffy. You know, if I was gonna pick, I don't know, top twenty five moments in the whole series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, this moment when she is presented with that homemade umbrella with the tinsel on it is so powerful definitely i don't maybe even top 10 moments i don't know maybe i should start making a list i think this is the first time i've told you guys this is one of the best moments in the whole series this is definitely one of the best moments in the whole series so write it down i guess i don't know start a spreadsheet i don't know how to start a spreadsheet <laughs> i'm remarkably terrible at things that have to do with computers oh my god i had a scare earlier this week so i've been doing this thing lately where I've been trying to save on electricity and stuff. Um, and I realized that like my normal patterns of using my computer, like I typically only use it. I use it pretty heavily, like Thursday through Sunday, and then maybe won't even touch it at all Monday through Wednesday. And I just, that's usually how it goes. Cause I usually work a lot the first half of the week. And then I do my creative projects that involve my computer in the second half of the week. So I started thinking, okay, you know what? I'm going to plug all my computer stuff into a power strip. And then I'm going to shut my computer down like Sunday night or something and turn the power strip off so that all of that power is just down for days. I'll save electricity that way instead of just having my computer in sleep mode or whatever, like I usually do. But anyway, I tried to start my computer this week and it took like 30 to 30, that might be an exaggeration. It might've taken 20 minutes for me to get it to turn on. Like I had to keep, like it would start up, but it wouldn't get all the way started up and then it would force itself to shut down. And then I had to try to restart it like a couple of times. I thought it was not going to start at all ever again. I was already planning. Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I really need this computer to hold on for another couple of years, which is a lot to ask when this computer will be nine years old in October. <laughs> That's how long I've had it. Um, I have replaced the hard drive though. So it's not like it's, I mean, it's lasted a lot longer than it should have at this point, but I really want it to hold on until I can pay off this stupid tree removal shit that we have to do. That's going to take like a year to pay off. I really need it to hold out. <laughs> anyway, um, so I don't know what, do you guys have any experience with like, is it better to completely shut down your computer whenever you're not going to use it for a few days or just put it to sleep? I'm thinking just put it to sleep because I don't know, like shutting it down completely seems to make it upset. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, where were we? Um, class protector award. Um, oh, and then there's this stupid scene between Wesley and Giles, like Wesley's basically, he just wants to ask Cordelia to dance. And so he asks Giles's opinion and Giles interrupts him. And he's just like, for God's sakes, man, she is 18 years old and you have the emotional maturity of a blueberry scone. Just have at it, would you? Um, so that's a good moment, except... 
be have at it, would you? Like, I mean, it's obvious that they're both attracted to each other. Like, Wesley's not being predatory necessarily. He's just ridiculous. But it's still so dumb. Anyway, of course, I've talked about that. I think that storyline's dumb. I just think it's dumb. And then the moment. There's some, there are several good songs in this prom sequence, throughout the prom sequence. Um, if you would like to enjoy um, some of those songs, check out my Buffy playlist, which is always in the description notes of the podcast episode. And also down there, you will find links to my Patreon, my Instagram, my website, my radio show that I have every Friday, um, my tip jar, if you'd like to just send me a couple bucks for enjoying this show, um, which is just PayPal. All that stuff is always down there. Um, I usually keep the descriptions pretty brief. Um, it just has like, you know, my social media information and all the other stuff I just mentioned. And then it'll have like a sentence about the episode itself. And then, um, I always have a link to my Spotify playlist, which is a bunch of my favorite epi- my favorite songs from Buffy in the order of appearance on the show. It's a pretty long playlist and it's actually like, I found it to be a really great playlist for like when friends are coming over, like you're having like just a little party. It's like the playlist is like, I think it might be like over two hours long. Like it's probably like three-ish hours long because it goes throughout the whole series of Buffy. It's not every single episode or every single song that that I could find that's on Spotify, but it's um, a bunch of them. And it's most of the mu- music that has been in Buffy is really chill, just like this Sunday song, Wild Horses. You know the one when Angel comes to dance with Buffy. I had a moment where I was just watching it um, with my Michael and he was like, would you want this? Would you want him to show up to dance with you at your prom when you guys are broken up and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Yes. This is, in my opinion, just like how Xander paying off the rest of Cordelia's dress is the least he could do after everything he's put her through. I think Angel showing up at the prom and dancing with Buffy is the least that he could do after everything he's put her through. Um, In this specific circumstance, like if you had just gone through a breakup with somebody that's a terrible, terrible person, and you could argue that Angel is, but um, this particular breakup was more just like, well, it needs to be done. Um, we both, I mean, in this circumstance, they both really, really love each other. They're not breaking up because they don't love each other. They're breaking up for other reasons. If they were breaking up because one of them cheated on the other one, or one of them just wasn't in love anymore, then absolutely do not show up at the prom. Get away from me, motherfucker. But since this is a situation of their circumstances mean that even though they love each other, they can't be together, then absolutely dance with her at the fucking dance. That's why he shouldn't have broken up with her until after the fucking prom. God damn it. Okay. How many times do you get a magical moment where you get to go 
dress up and be pretty and dance and pretend that it's just like a magical night. Like when was the last time you got to like pretend that nothing else existed and just have like a fantasy magical night? I mean, that never happens. <laughs> I've been sort of like obsessed with the idea of having a prom do-over pretty much ever since I graduated high school because my prom sucked. I still went and I still dressed up, but at that point in my high school life, I really wasn't, you know, some of my good friends had dropped out. I really wasn't close to anyone anymore. I was isolated and depressed and all that stuff that I already talked about. So I didn't have a good prom experience, not only because I didn't get to go with someone, but also because I just really wasn't connecting to anyone at school anymore. So I am glad that I went though, because at least it's not a, well, I got stood up. So then I sat at home, like I just sat at the prom. It wasn't really much better than sitting at home, but at least I forced myself to go. Anyway, anyway, I've been obsessed with the idea of having a prom do-over for a long time now. And I'm terrible at planning things, especially if they include saving money. Um, but I've, okay, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you guys about this because this is the prom episode. So might as well, right? I recently, since I have this like idea that I want a prom do over, you know, I just want to have like a big party with all my friends and family and just like anybody that wants to come where we have some sort of venue and we dress up as if it's the prom and I get to DJ the whole event. I get to create my own play, not DJ DJ, but like I get to create the playlist and have it playing. I will control the music of the entire night because this is my prom, God damn it. And we have some cool venue and it's just the prom that none of us actually got in high school. I want to do that not only for me, but I want to do it for everyone else that ever got stood up, that ever just had a shitty prom experience. I want to have that magical night that we didn't get to have. <laughs> or even if you did get to have a magical night, you're not with that person anymore. Have a different, have a better magical night <laughs> as an adult. Or even if you are still with that person that you had the magical night with in high school, have it again, <laughs> you know? I'd want a prom do-over. But anyway, recently, I don't know, it was like a week or two ago, I thought to myself, holy shit, next year will be Michael and I's 10-year wedding anniversary. How cool would it be if, you know, at this point, I've got like a year and a half until that moment. That could be the perfect moment that we decide to have the prom do-over. Our 10-year wedding anniversary. Let's do it. Um, and it would be during the fall, um, which is not normal prom time, but who fucking cares? It's not a, really about prom. It's just about having a dance, you know? And it would be themed as if it's, you know, a prom from the movies. You know, I want to have those big silver, like, looks like it was cut by... 16 year old stars hanging from the ceiling, you know, like 
misshapen, cut out silver stars hanging from the ceiling, just like in Carrie. You know, I want tinsel. I want magic. I want to control all the music, like I said. Um, so I don't know how I'm going to execute this because I don't have a venue. I don't know of like, I mean, I'd need to like rent like a big, beautiful warehouse or something, you know, it needs to be something that would be very cheap to execute. Like I'm cool with putting the work into it, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, one thing I thought of today, like we have a skating rink in our town and you can like rent it out for the night and um it's not hugely expensive like it's like a couple hundred dollars or something so that could be done <laughs> so it could be a prom skating activity and that would be pretty easy to execute because you just pay for the place all the people are there um I've already talked to them about it before. Like if we were to do this, would I be able to, I know you usually have a DJ, but would I be able to like bring an iPod that already has a playlist on it? And then the DJ wouldn't have to work that night. And they were like, yeah, that'd be fine. Um, and then you'd have like the built-in snack bar and all that stuff. So it wouldn't be hugely expensive to do something like that. It wouldn't be quite as magical as like I don't know, like if I could hire caterers and like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how to do party planning at all whatsoever, but I do have a dream to create a prom <laughs> someday it will happen and maybe it will happen in September, 2020. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I got to start figuring some shit out. Um, because if I want it to be as epic as I want it to be, I should really take some time. But anyway, that is my secret dream. Um, I don't think I've talked about that very much, but I've had that dream for a very long time. Um, mostly in that every time I hear a song that I would want to be in a prom do-over, I'm like, yes, that's going on the playlist. That's going on the playlist. And Wild Horses by the Sundays that Buffy dances with Angel to, um, that is one of the songs. It is. It's a great, great prom song. I didn't have anything that cool at my prom. I don't even remember because my prom was only two years after this. It would have been 2001. I don't remember anything that played. I didn't dance with anyone like at all. No one asked me to dance. I don't even know. Like, was I there like 30 minutes? It's possible. I really don't have any memories of that night. Except I know that I went because there's a picture of me there. <laughs> um, and not even like one of those professional pictures or whatever. It's just like a selfie or something with a friend that had a digital camera. Um, or was it even a digital camera or disposable camera? I don't know. It was 2001. Digital cameras weren't like all over the place at that point, but they did exist. Um, anyway. <laughs> I do want a prom do-over. Apparently, it's just in your DNA to be obsessed with prom. <laughs> I feel the same way as Anya, apparently. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the ratings of the episode. Now that I've talked about things other than this episode for like half of this freaking podcast. Okay. Sorry, guys. Um, Y'all know I'm not always this much of a mess. I'm always a mess, but... It's been extreme lately, and I'm sorry, but, you know, 
this too shall pass. Let's get into the um, ratings of the episode. Okay. Object of affection of the episode. Y'all know I like to pick one thing that I would like to pluck straight out of the episode that I could keep for myself. In this episode, I couldn't think of, I had to get a little bit philosophical with it because I couldn't think of a specific thing because like, obviously Joss is minty mug, but I already have one of those and that's already been a featured object of the episode. Obviously Buffy's crochet pillowcase, but I already have that thanks to my mom who bought me one that looks exactly like Buffy's crochet pillowcase. And I put my face on it every night. I let that crochet just smush its way right into my skin. <laughs> Every once in a while it annoys me and I flip it over to the smooth side, but most of the time I just sleep straight on that crochet, you know? I just let it smash my face. <laughs> uh, I've never noticed, like, I'm always thinking, like, I wonder if when I wake up I just have that crochet pat flower pattern just all over my face, and I've never actually looked to see if I do. I probably do. <laughs> um... So that is there, and that's a good thing, but I already have that. So um, I couldn't think of a specific thing. So I decided what my object was. I wish that I had had that precious little moment in high school where not like, you know, called out in front of the whole school, but I wish that someone would have noticed something specific about me and made me something cheesy to honor something about me. I wish I had had a moment like that where I had felt seen by some of my peers in high school. Wouldn't necessarily... So it's not an object. Not an object, but man, I need some water. Pause. Um, okay. The outfit of the episode, I went back and forth on this because I really like Anya's dress at the prom. Um, it was, it was just understated. It was like lace and red and it was like kind of like a little slip dress, but it was classy looking. Um, you didn't really get to see the whole thing. So I decided not to go with that. I decided to go with the outfit of the episode being Buffy's prom dress, which is unmistakably gorgeous. I mean, it really is, even though it's 1999, which is, you know, not a great time for fashion. It was just, you know, it was, it was very elegant, you know, sleeveless. Like, of course you saw it if you watched the episode. I'm not good at like describing fashion, but it had these cute little like botanical looking pins. There was one in the front and there was one that was in her hair in the back. And it was just elegant and understated and gorgeous and big. It was long. It had a train, you know. Um, it was over the top, but in a way that you can get away with with prom dresses. Like... You can do that. It was great. Um, quote of the episode. Like I said, there was a lot of great quotes in this episode, but I think I have to go with Anya. I have witnessed a millennium of treachery and oppression from the males of the species, and I have nothing but contempt for the whole libidinous lot of them. So 
great to see Anya again because it just reminds you that we're going to get to see so much more of her in the next few years and she really is one of the best characters ever. If I were picking like top five Buffy side characters, you know, that aren't Buffy herself, um, man, who would that, that would definitely be Giles, Tara, Oz, um, I would think Anya would be there. Yeah, I think Anya would be on the top five side characters of Buffy, you know? I think so. Um, Spike, I would have to say Spike, because he's just endlessly entertaining. Like, he might be a terrible, terrible Buffy boyfriend, but he's good times. Um, okay, <laughs> getting distracted again. Uh, most valuable player of the episode is definitely Buffy. I mean, she got the class protector award for a reason. Um, she really did, like, she fought for everyone else to have a normal night because she didn't think that she could have one. And that's cool. That's cool. She is a superhero after all. And every once in a while, we do have to give the most valuable player award to Buffy. Like, it's almost just like, it's always Buffy, but it was kind of like, you just give supporting, supporting most valuable player. At most of the, most episodes I'm going to pick like somebody that is also most valuable, but this time I got to go ahead and just give it to our girl, Buffy. Five by five ratings. So I like to give a rating for how enjoyable the episode was out of five and then how the treatment of women also out of five and then multiply those scores together. So as far as enjoyability this episode, with the exception of the stupid Westland Cordelia shit and that moment where Xander was talking to his hand in a really creepy way. And then the moment that Angel was emotionally immature, there were a few of those. <laughs> Besides those little moments, some of them, the, the moments of Angel being emotionally insecure were kind of necessary to the plot, but the other shit could have been deleted. Fine. Um, with the exception of that, this is a pretty great episode. So I'm going to give it a four. And then as far as treatment of women, let's see. I don't think Buffy's mistreated in this episode. Cordelia is like Xander obviously pitied her, but not in an over the top way. Um, Joyce was respected for what she needed to say to Angel. Um, what else? Willow just really, she's just there to be supportive in this episode. Like she didn't really have a chance to be treated like shit. Um, she wasn't a major player in the episode. Um, Anya. Anya was kind of shown as being annoying because she's talking a lot about all the people that she slaughtered at the dance and Xander's like acting like he's super annoyed with her and he doesn't respect her and like he didn't really choose to go with her. Like choice is a really heavy term, blah, 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 for 
whenever Buffy says, I think some of us are going with demons and I think that's a valid lifestyle choice or something like that. And he's like, well, choice is a little, so he's shitty towards her. And that's just the brink of the fucking iceberg when it comes to Xander being shitty to Anya. There's going to be a lot of me talking about how shitty Xander is to Anya, just like he was shitty to Cordelia. So he like closed the book on being shitty to Cordelia this episode and Oh, that's interesting. Like the second he sort of makes, this is his moment of making amends to Cordelia. All he has to do is pay off the rest of this fucking dress. And that was enough to make amends with Cordelia. And that closes the book on that. But he immediately, this is his first date with Anya. And he's going to be super shitty to her for the next, how many years? Three. Um, yeah, anyway, we'll get there. Um, so Xander is a little shitty to Anya, but that aside, this episode is not shitty towards women in general. Although, did it pass the Bechdel test? That's an interesting question. I don't usually think about that. I don't usually try to decide if individual episodes of Buffy pass, but that's interesting. If you don't know, since I don't mention it often... If you don't know what the Bechdel test is, it's um, a way of, it's just like a little test as to if women are important in a piece of pop culture. So in order to pass the Bechdel test, there has to be at least two female characters that have names, that talk to each other at some point about something other than a man. So it has to pass all those, all three of those things. Um, Obviously, we didn't know everybody's names in this. I don't think it does. I don't think this episode passes the Bechdel test. Because Buffy only interacts with Willow in this episode. She doesn't at all interact with Cordelia or any other female. She interacts with Tucker. She interacts with Angel. She interacts with Giles. You never see her interact with her mom in this episode. Her mom just interacts with Angel. Um, so she just has that one conversation with Willow. Unless, I mean, she does have a tiny exchange with Willow when she first gets to the prom. Although what I remember about that conversation is Oz's response to how the prom is doing to Buffy and I think Willow just sort of says hi and hugs her I don't know if she actually says anything she might say something in that scene if she says something in that scene then it may pass the Bechdel test <laughs> but um, in the other scene when it's just Buffy and Willow she's talking about Angel the whole time and that's it um, so yeah this episode might not pass the Bechdel test so as far as treatment of women, I guess I'll just give it a three because, you know, like a lot of these episodes, they're not like outright shitty to women, but they're not really doing a great job either. You know, the fact that nine times out of 10, Buffy's interacting with dudes all the time. She's fighting dudes. She's, you know, sometimes she has a conversation with Willow. It's true. 
<laughs> but overall, she is largely antagonistic towards every other woman, um, with the exception of her mom. So it's just like Willow and her mom, um, they get a pass for being chicks in the sphere of Buffy, but for the most part, her relationships with women are antagonistic. Like she never becomes friends with Anya. She never became friends with Cordelia. She had a couple of productive conversations with Cordelia, but she doesn't really ever have productive conversation with Anya ever, ever, ever. They don't even try. Like it's never even a priority for Buffy. This is something that I never really thought about until this particular rewatch of Buffy, but they really never try to have Buffy have a strong relationship with another woman except Willow. It's like, you get to have one, girls. You get to have one best friend, but everybody, every other girl you have to compete with and feel antagonistic towards. Um, that seems to be the general view in this show, um, which is sad, you know? And that's really true. Like, she has a second where she's, like, trying to be friends with Faith. But that's really just one part of one episode before that all went south. Um, she does have some friendship moments later with Tara, but that's kind of an accident because Tara's just the most amazing person that has ever lived. So you can't not be friends with Tara. And of course she does have a good relationship later with her sister. So it's interesting. Okay. So in the past, I may have thought of Dawn as annoying and it's understandable. She's supposed to be annoying. She's a little sister, but the more times I rewatch Buffy, the more I like Dawn. It's interesting. Like the characters that upon the first, like couple of watches of Buffy, I didn't really like, like Dawn and Riley. I now love them. Like Riley's really good for Buffy. You guys we will get there. So sidetracked. This entire night is being sidetracked. Okay. So four times three is 12. This episode gets a 12 as the overall score. That's the prom you guys. Thank you for listening. Um, I have lots of thoughts about, oh, ooh, ooh, um, let's do, I can do a little tiny book recommendation for you guys. If you like Buffy, which I assume you do, if you're listening to this podcast, um, is it Kirsten or Kirsten? I never know how you're supposed to pronounce that name versus how it's spelled. I think it's Kirsten because I think it's K-I-E-R- I might be misremembering that and I don't have something in front of me to look it up. So go ahead and look it up. It's a book called Slayer by Kirsten White, might be Kirsten, whatever, Kirsten White Slayer. And it's the first of a series. I didn't realize that until I finished it when I went on to Goodreads to like mark that I read it. It said Slayer number one. So there's going to be more. So that's really exciting. It's set in the Buffy universe and this chick knows her shit. Like I've read the comics. I've seen the series. Like I am pretty up to date on the universe, on the Buffy universe. So it's set in a particular point in the comics. I'm not going to give any spoilers right now, but it's set at a specific time that happened during the comics of Buffy that continued after the show ended. 
and um, it's it's about a slayer and obviously because it's called slayer that is also a watcher like she grew up training to be a watcher and then she ended up becoming a slayer and it's just the interesting dynamics there um, and it was really good I liked it a lot um, I love reading Buffy fiction I have not read a whole lot of it but um, I'm super into it I'd like to read more if you guys have any recommendations for like Buffy fiction <laughs> like obviously fan fiction but like I want to read like longer stuff you know not like short story type stuff I want to read like published book size type stuff um, so let me know if you have recommendations even if it is like internet fan fiction if it's something that I can get on my Kindle and it's like longer form um, that let's see what are my what are my requirements um, <laughs> I guess it doesn't really matter if you guys have recommendations of stuff that you like that kind of fits in the Buffy universe that is um, novel fiction type stuff I am interested let me know please mixtressradio at gmail is where you can email me those recommendations I would love to hear them so far I've read Slayer by Kirsten White and I've also read the like faith prequel that's called Go Ask Malice. I think I told you guys about that when I read that earlier this year. Um, basically, all I've been reading this year is like tarot books and Buffy fiction. So I'm okay with that. Um, I'm also excited. Any of you guys excited about, I think it comes out, I think it hasn't come out yet, but it's coming out sometime this month. Um, the graphic novel version of there's like they're rebooting a Buffy in high school series and I'm not sure exactly how that's going to go as a comic but um, I'm excited to read it and it's probably I think it I think the release date is sometime this month um, I don't know if that's just the first issue or if it was just like for the graphic novel version so maybe people have been reading it for months I'm always behind on that shit but um, I'm excited about that let me know your opinions if you've read any of that yet um, it's gonna be I think it's gonna be like the same characters but that it's gonna be a different plot line like I don't know how they're gonna do that they're going back to high school and it's still gonna be like Buffy Xander and Willow but they're gonna be not the same Buffy Xander and Willow it's like an alternate reality plot line or something I don't know I'm interested I'm interested <laughs> I'm definitely gonna give it a try um, let me know if you guys have what you guys think um, okay that's it I will see you guys next week we're gonna talk about graduation day part one um, hopefully <laughs> I will be in a better place a week from today. Let's all cross our fingers on that one. Maybe I'll be, I'll have a lot more sleep under my belt a week from today. <laughs> Maybe I'll be a little less delirious. Um, we'll see. No promises. See you guys next week. Bye.